Hey friends, my name is Sophia Ustefan and I am the host of the Diasbeto podcast. I am a second generation Khmer Chinese American who is also studying mental health counseling residing in Chicago, Illinois. Why did I start this podcast? I started this podcast because I had been reckoning with my own ethnic identity these past few years and needed a space to process my story. I'm a counseling student, so I believe that everyone has a story worth telling and worth believing. 2020 has either reaffirmed or awakened our experience in the diaspora, whether it be related to racial trauma, hate crimes, police brutality, immigration, and the like. So my hope for this podcast is to bring collective empowerment and healing among those who have been silenced and isolated. You might be wondering who this podcast is for. This podcast is for anyone and everyone who wants to listen to or share their own ethnic journeys. All folks are welcome to the table to share their rich and valued experiences. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're agnostic or an atheist, or if you're of a different faith background, or if you've been hurt by the church, your story matters. I hope you will feel seen and included. Why Diaspero? Why did you name it the Diaspero podcast? Diaspero means to disperse or to scatter abroad in the Greek language. It signifies the Jewish diaspora or the spread of Jewish people all through the Roman world. And according to Oxford reference, quote, the term embraces concern regarding cultural assimilation and loss of Jewish identity. End quote. In today's modern language, we use the word diaspora to refer to ethnic or cultural groups who identify with the homeland but reside outside of it. Maybe you have some questions or concerns. Maybe you're wondering what the podcast is and what it isn't, or maybe you're wondering if it's a safe space. I can tell you that this is not a space to have theological or existential arguments. This is not a space to pit other marginalized communities against each other. This is not a place to play oppression Olympics. I intend to build a safe space for folks from all walks of life to be able to come on and to share their stories and to share their pain and stories of resilience and hope and transformation, whether or not we agree and whether or not we fully understand each other. And this is a challenge for all of us to look outside our own lens and to look into the world of others. I think the most valuable experiences start with relationships and it starts with the type of relationships that we engage in. And so I encourage you to look around you and see what types of people and what types of experiences that you've been surrounded by. And I hope that you would feel encouraged by this podcast. Okay, so moving on, like I said earlier, I am a second generation Khmer Chinese American, which means that my parents are both war refugees from Cambodia. They both grew up in Battambang, Cambodia, and they fled the genocide called the Khmer Rouge, also known as the Killing Fields. Both my parents met when they were in high school, and they ended up moving to Bolingbrook when they got married, and here came me and my brother. 
Eventually, my parents divorced when I was nine years old, and so I grew up in a single parent household, and my mom worked three jobs to support her two children. We lived on the southwest suburbs in Chicago, and we were pretty much far away from other Khmer family and other Khmer refugees who had resettled in Chicago. And so I lived in a predominantly black and Latino neighborhood, which I didn't have any support to help affirm my own positive racial identity. And race and ethnicity wasn't something we really talked about in our house. My mom didn't really talk about who we were, where we came from, until we were a little bit older. And so I actually didn't know I was Khmer until I was in middle school. When I was younger, my parents did share some stories of them fleeing, but it didn't mean much to me until I had entered adulthood. I had my own journey of grappling with my personal trauma and abuse, and there was already a lot of strain and pain in my relationship with my mom relating to one of my abusers, and I eventually became estranged from my family which inevitably meant being disconnected from my Khmer identity. And so dealing with this personal trauma, there wasn't any room to explore this part of me. I began my own journey of trying to heal from this personal trauma, and eventually I got really interested in Christianity because I really had no more hope in my life, and I didn't have any purpose, I was partying every weekend, I didn't care about relationships, I didn't care about my friends, um, and I really didn't care about anything else in my life. And so I had turned to God for help. As I became more involved with the faith, I really thought that it was a white man's religion. All the church leaders, the churches I went to, the guys I went on dates with were all white. And I came to the inaccurate conclusion that there weren't other people of color Christians who existed. And I thought I was to forget my own ethnic identity and culture and be colorblind. But we know that colorblind theology is not biblical. To add another layer to that, I struggled with internalized racism because of past experiences of racism in middle and high school. I experienced racism from all people groups including African Americans, Latinos, and even other Asians. And even within the Asian American space, there is a lot of internalized racism, whether it is about our eye shape or our names. I grew up with Filipino kids making fun of my Chinese middle name and my own eye shapes. Whenever I encountered other Asians, they would comment about my eyes and I internalized all of that. I hated who I was and I hated where I came from. I told myself that I was never going to marry someone who looked like me, mostly because I didn't want to deal with the cultural baggage of being Asian American, whether it was overworking to get love from your parents or silencing your own opinion in order to respect elders. I was a very outspoken child and as a result of my outspokenness and how Americanized I was, this created a wedge between my mother and I. So for me to stay silent and submit to my parents was very hard for me back then. However, I do understand the significance of that cultural value in adulthood now. I also didn't want to experience the cultural baggage of dealing with other Asian parents. 
I experienced racism for being half Chinese. A lot of my Asian partner's parents denied like the fact that I was Chinese and treated me really poorly or didn't accept me into their family. I didn't want to be associated with other Asians because of that cultural baggage. So here I am, married into a white family. My husband has German and Swiss heritage, and they're a family that's been here for about five generations. And it actually wasn't until we got married that I realized how much internalized racism I had. Um, I had taken a multicultural and diversity issues class in my master's program, and I realized how much I hated myself and I hated my Asian-ness. On top of that, I had never been exposed to a white conservative space before. And so when I visited Michigan, I was in complete culture shock. <laughs> to say the least, I grew up in a non-Asian people of color community. You know, and so I actually had never been in a completely white space before. One of my first experiences, I remember seeing the use of colorblind theology. And I mentioned previously, I saw how harmful it was for me. At the same time, I did see how much my mother-in-law wanted to know me and my culture. Yeah, I felt like I couldn't offer that to her because I was so estranged from my family. And there was a lot of silence about my parents trauma and I also carried a lot of shame so as you can see or hear there's lots and lots of layers that still need to be peeled back and uncovered so on this journey of being married to Cameron I addressed the shame I felt behind my culture and identity and on that journey there were some interactions I experienced with him and his family members that reminded me of past hurt whether it was through microaggressions or just plain ignorance and these were things that I had to confront, reconcile, and heal from. All the while, racial tensions were at the highest and we were in a global pandemic. Yeah man, what the heck. <laughs> Essentially, my marriage led me to explore who I was, where my family came from, and what it means to be Khmer and Chinese. I needed to embrace the narrative of where my family came from and be proud of my heritage, resilience, and the hope my family brings. I want to shed light on the Khmer diaspora and others' experiences in the diaspora because I've met so many people of color who were on the margins. The discourse on racism tends to depict a dichotomy of black versus white racial tensions. While we understand the importance of uplifting the voices of the black community, there are others who experience oppression in a different way and sometimes our voices get left on the margins. Since the conversation had always been depicted to me as black versus white, I as an Asian did not feel compelled to reckon with my Asianness. I hope to focus more on intersectionality with all people groups to create a multi-ethnic and multicultural community where all people, all folks are welcome to the table. So each week I will be featuring someone who would be willing to share their ethnic journey with us and my hope is that we could establish a safe community of healing, resilience, and transformation together. Thank you for joining me.